Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza and we are getting back into the swing of things after having a a nice break over the summer there for a few weeks. Uh, we had a new podcast last week, 32 Properties in 32 Months with Jay and Erica. So Jay and Erica were longtime members of Rockstar, or have been, I guess actually they haven't been that long time now that I think of it. Uh, they kind of started um, just under three years ago with us and bought a whole bunch of properties. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, you definitely uh, want to check it out. It's the one right before this one, um, titled 32 Properties in 32 Months. And this week we're kind of, I guess we're going on a little bit of the health and fitness kick because we're about to release two starting with this one that are on on that topic uh, dr cowan if you uh if you haven't heard our first episode with him, you want to go back and, and find it. It's probably like maybe one or fourth, fifth or sixth episode or something like that. Um, he's probably been one of the most popular guests that we've had on the show. And we had a bunch of questions about health and fitness. And he's a, a naturopathic doctor. And for those of you who might think that's a little woo-woo and stuff, let me tell you that he is full of data. He isn't guessing about anything. He runs data on everything to do with your body and shows you the data. I think that's why Nick and I really like him so much. He's had a big, um, really a big positive impact on my own health. Um, for years, I didn't know why when I ate certain foods, I would break out on my face, even as a you know 30 year old, 35, 40, 45 year old. And with his help over the last few years, I've found out a lot of, about food uh, sensitivity issues that I've had that have made me feel a lot better since I've corrected all that. And then um, most interestingly to me anyway, one of the more recent discoveries is that I've had a little bit of a, it looks like I'm somewhat intolerant or a sensitivity to sulfites. I didn't even know what sulfites were, but apparently they're in one of my favorite foods, wine. And we talk about that on the, uh, on the, uh, on the podcast. And since the podcast, uh, we took that uh, podcast, I did a little bit more digging and I found a little sulfite filter by, um, uh, a company in the U S that I've purchased, when I get that, if that works for me and uh, removes, strips out some of the sulfites out of wine and it's it's any good, I will report back to everyone in case you have this sensitivity. And if you're not familiar with sulfites, apparently in the winemaking process, first of all, they happen naturally um, in the, the making of wine. Um, but some, some of the menu, or basically from what I understand, all the manufacturers will add sulfites into the wine to kind of halt the fermentation process and to help the wine from not spoiling during the manufacturing process of the wine and kind of getting it to the bottling stage and that whole whole bit. So um, for me, they cause problems in my gut. Um, they will also, if I have a, if I have wine, they'll still make me, even as a 45-year-old, I'll break out a little bit if I have too much wine with a lot of sulfites in them. Um, but with Dr. Cowan's help, I've been able to really help that a lot. So on this episode, we talk about coffee, wine, sulfites, probiotics, fasting, time-restricted eating. We talk about epigenetics um, and why your grandchildren will thank you for living a healthy lifestyle today. So some really fascinating stuff. Um, Dr. Cowan's a, a good friend of ours. And after listening to this, if you have any questions for him on future episodes, we're going to bring him back as a regular guest. Um, just uh, let us know, reach out to us. You can throw an email out to uh, podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. And before we get started, always know that if you have any real estate questions, if your friends or your neighbors are making fun of you because you're thinking real estate might be something that you are interested in getting into, 
don't never fear. We have a ton of good information for you at rockstarinnercircle.com. We put out a bunch of new reports. Uh, some of the new reports that we have out um, are, is university really worth it? And we map the cost of university against the cost or mapping it against the, uh, the price of a, a single uh, family home rental property and seeing what the, how, uh, how someone's income grows after university and mapping it against the price of a house. This is not a message against education. We're just curious that if you took the money you threw at university and threw it into a rental property, what would happen? So we have that as a new report out. Um, our book, in Income for Life for Canadians, is on, on the website. If you want to come to one of our training classes, we have an introductory class that Nick and I are, we're both at that class. You can meet us and chat with us. We'll answer any questions that you have. So if you're thinking about real estate, um, don't hesitate. Go to rockstarinnercircle.com. Um, if you want to check out what the Rockstar Inner Circle membership is all about, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member and check everything out uh, there. We strongly believe one good good single family rental property in your life can be a financial game changer for about 99% of the population. So if you're thinking that this is something you want to do, um, hopefully we can offer some value, whether it's a book, a video, a report, some sort of guidance. It's all at rockstarinnercircle.com. And with that, let's get started with Dr. Cowan. Enjoy the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Dr. Cowan again. Somehow we tricked him to come back into our office. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how he did that. We were just talking about. Uh, yeah, we we're just talking about all sorts of stuff, but. Uh, Summer's been good. I didn't even ask you. Did you take any time off in the summer, or you have you just been working nonstop? Just a week off. We went to uh, Finger Lakes in New York just for a week. Oh, just got to it. Take okay, a little, little break. Yeah. Do you do you have uh, you know somebody in that area or something? No, just uh, my wife's friends were out there, so we all went out to a cottage there. I hear it's sung. beautiful. Yeah, it's I've amazing. never been out amazing. there. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Where are they, where are they in New York? What area? Like, I know I've heard of them. I don't know where they are. Just northern New York. Yeah, so like on the other North side of Lake Eastern. Ontario, kind of yeah. like would it be across from like? Uh, so is that like Rochester area or something? East. Of yeah, there? yeah, just east of that. Yeah, east of there, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think. Uh, Remember they had that ferry going from Toronto to Rochester for a while. Yeah. For like two months, actually. Yeah. Remember yeah. a few years ago? It was okay. like a fast ferry, and okay. I, I don't think there was enough demand. To, to well, because I think to people from Toronto, all of us got to Rochester, and we're like, why did we come here? Let's turn around. <laughs> no offense against anyone in Rochester, but Toronto's way better than Rochester. I'm sure people in Rochester loved it. But uh, anyway, okay. So I wanted to... Uh, give you credit for something this summer. Every summer I go away to uh, Croatia. I drink too much wine. And I can uh, I can vouch for that. Yeah. So Tom, so so just to give you an understanding of how much Tom will be eating, uh, will be drinking the wine, and he'll wonder, he'll be like, "Wow, where'd all the wine in the bottle went? Like we're already done this bottle," and we all look at each other we're like you like that was you yeah you know like we each had half a glass and then you drank the rest you know and 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 his wife will vouch for it you know so and he's like oh really so so yeah that it's really happens know, sometimes. It's good wine nick was actually picking out these gems of wines this year and uh yeah it was really really good wine um but uh 
and it's really hot over there, so you need the wine because you mix the wine with water a lot you of do, times, yeah, okay. and you just plow it down. Because when does it's that sound healthy to plow down wine? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. When it's forty degrees out, it's just meant so you can mentally handle the heat. Yeah. I think you're like numbing your body from the pain of the heat. Um, but anyway, something you told me last year was uh, I've been complaining to you for a couple of years. I'm like, man, I've got uh, you. You fix me up so well, but every time I go to Croatia and I drink a lot of wine, I will break out with acne on my face like clockwork after a couple of weeks of drinking a lot of wine and eating some of the foods there and I can never figure it out. And I think a lot or six months ago or something or after last year, you said, hey, Tom, you might have, I, I hope I'm saying this properly, like a, a little bit of a sulfite intolerance or a, a sensitivity to sulfites. Do you remember talking yeah, about yeah. that? Yeah, sulfites are high in wine, so sometimes people will get those reactions from uh, a lot of wine. Yeah, and cured yeah. meats, do they have sulfites too? Cured meats and also um, some dried fruit too. Okay, got yeah, it. Like apricots and things like that are, okay. are uh, sulfite rich. So okay. some people will not feel great with them or react poorly to them. Okay. Just a little bit of a sign that that could be the issue. But the way you fixed up my body over the last year, I reacted the best I ever reacted, which meant I could drink a lot of wine. And by the down end of the, I could now? just drink it. Yes. You've turned me in a, into an alcoholic. Okay, I'm joking. Good, good. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. The weird part is Glad as you soon enjoyed as yourself. It, it was great. As soon as we come back to Canada, I just go cold stop. Like I just don't, because yeah. we're not in that environment anymore. Anymore. Yeah. And about three days after. Oh, see, I, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I wait till the I wait till the end of the summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I still have the odd glass, but not like where we sit down for lunch and have like bottles of wine. But uh, I, about three days after returning this year, I started to get light in the middle of the day. I was getting lightheaded and a little bit dizzy. I think my body was going through like an alcohol withdrawal. Seriously, okay. I, I couldn't. I was like having these like <laughs> symptoms. They're all gone now. Anyway, I'm through it. But those sulfites. So if anyone's listening to this, if you've never heard of sulfites, I think I, that's something I have. But the, what, the work you've done on my gut over the last year, um, specifically, I think the probiotics I've been taking, the chlorella I've been putting in yeah. my smoothies because of you. Yeah. Chlorella is that uh, freshwater algae. Yes. Um, and what's that good for? What's that doing for me against giving me B12 and something else? Yeah, it's a good immune balancer too. Um, and it's just a superfood. Chlorella is one of those things that's just uh, super strong and, and very powerful for the body. It has protein intake, uh, protein content in it as well, but uh, just a super uh, great thing for the body and for the gut. Okay. And then can you take two? Is it like one teaspoon in a smoothie a day? Is that like a normal dosage of that stuff? Yeah, you don't need much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because if Tom thinks it's good for him, he'll I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can see him that's, why, that's why I'm careful with yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. He'll OD on no, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I might. Um, but uh, yeah, so glutathione. Right now, I think you, uh, with your guidance, I've been taking glutathione, the chlorella in my smoothie, probiotics, which next time we chat just about me personally at an appointment, I'm going sure. to talk to you about the probiotic stuff um, and uh, vitamin C um, and krill oil. Okay. Which I've been weak on the krill oil. I kind of stopped taking it for like about six months. Okay. But those are going to have been my staples for the last little while after you fixed up all the other stuff with me. Okay. Um, so on the sulfites thing, my wife gets, it doesn't matter when we drink any red wine, like bottled red wine, um, you know, cheap or expensive, it doesn't matter. She'll get really stuffy and stuff like that from the red wine. So we're, we're pretty convinced it's the sulfites in the red wine. Like she basically like always the next day she'll she'll notice both uh either the same day or the next day she'll notice uh a stuffy and then and and like a, a headaches as well but it i don't mean headaches because she drank two bottles of it i mean she'll you know drink one glass of it and then she'll get a headache so there's definitely something um in that but then whenever we drink 
uh, red wine without sulfite. So if it is a homemade wine and you know somewhere half decent that we know has nothing else in it, uh, she's totally fine. She doesn't get that. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good way to compare it. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And so, do, uh, is this something you hear kind of regularly, or is it just us? I don't feel like people talk about this. <laughs> it is a common topic, but uh, but uh, I wouldn't say we see it regularly. People generally just feel not good on those, and they kind of are suspicious as to why, and they'll probably just avoid some of those things just because they don't feel good with them naturally. But they're in a lot of stuff. I noticed yeah. when I was trying to buy uh, lemon juice, uh, the grocery store ones, yeah. the regular lemon juice, there's like one brand that's kind of everywhere, and it comes in also in the little, uh, it's the same brand that makes it in the little plastic lemons. Yeah. And same thing, says contains sulfites. I guess it's a yeah. preservative. And my understanding is, you know, if you eat a lot of things with that type of preservative in it, they're, what is it, for the kidney or something? They're pretty not so good? Yeah, well, sulfites, I mean, they're they're going to be in a lot of preserved things, mm-hmm. right? So, but I mean, you're, uh, you'll feel poorly on them before it affects your other organs. Usually people are just avoiding them before that. Okay, because they're not, yeah, to that okay. point. Are they naturally occurring or are they putting them in? They're these? putting them in, yeah. Really? Yeah. This is a, this is a horrible. It's a preservative. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, uh, what I wanted to talk to you about was coffee. Okay. Okay. So you. Uh, I'm I, just going to step out of this. <laughs> no, one. no. Yeah, yeah. On coffee. You have me on a good uh, plan right now where uh, you, you said something. Well, maybe I can get you to repeat it. Like why co- one day off, one day on on coffee? Well, for me, a couple for you. I mean, it's very individualized, right? So we do a lot of testing of um, HPA access, which means like your. Uh, stress hormone secretion. So when your body makes something called cortisol, it drives your energy for the day. If you're kind of a, a stressed guy or, or have a, his, a history of uh, cortisol issues, which you have had in the past, you tend to kind of burn out easily. Feel like you have a high energy kind of goes all in for stuff which is great to have oh see i was gonna call him a wimp <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but but uh and you've also had some some of the gut issues too which makes it harder to restore the uh, adrenals and the and the cortisol stuff so coffee makes your body make more cortisol so it gives you a surge so it makes it uh, more work for those adrenal glands to pump out cortisol so for you if you're doing it every single day again you're going to be pushing out too much cortisol and eventually not have enough to sustain energy without the coffee. Got it. Okay, so then it was one day on, so have a some some coffee, have a day to recover or let just my cortisol levels not be spiked? Sounds yeah, there's, there's a few different ways to do it. You can kind of uh, do it that way or you can do it where you take a period of time off to allow your uh, body to kind of regenerate itself. Um, and kind of take your foot off the gas pedal type of analogy. Okay, so, so I could drink coffee for a month every day. Not excessive amounts. I just mean yeah. a regular cup of coffee a day yeah. for a month and then take a week off and I'd be achieving the same thing. Yes. You need some time period where you can take your foot off the pedal to allow it to restore. Okay. If you're constantly pushing that, especially for you because we've seen it because we've been testing you often, you will uh, start to bottom out and not make enough cortisol, which means energy goes down and the coffee doesn't do much for you. And why am I not making any more cortisol? So your body can make more to meet the demand, but eventually it can't keep up with the demand and your, your totals will drop. Got it. Right? So when your totals drop, your energy drops with that. Okay, got it. But uh, my body's not making enough to meet up with what demand? Just my daily requirement of cortisol for energy? Yeah. And it's not making enough because the coffee was artificially making it? Yeah, so um, cortisol drives your energy throughout the day. So as the sun comes up in the morning, your eyes are triggered by that release uh, a signal to your adrenal glands to pump out cortisol that cortisol rushes to your brain to wake your body and brain up and that drives your sl- your uh, energy for the day 
right? The problem with most of us is though, our daily routine, our stressors, uh, physical strain, mental, emotional strain, inflammation in the body, gut issues, deplete that store. So it's kind of like you have a bank account of a certain amount of cortisol units, which is like your energy units. So over time, if you have those issues, you'll lose those stores. You'll use Got them it. up. Okay, it's like right? my energy's leaking out everywhere. Yeah. So and coffee is just one other thing that's part of those things that's that cause your body to make more. Yeah. So if Got you drink it. coffee at the wrong time of day when your cortisol shouldn't be shooting, it ends up using more of the store. Yeah. And yeah. then you don't have the the re- it screws up all the levels. Oh, look right. at Nick, Mr. Doctor over here. No, do you have an opening at your clinic yeah, there? Yeah. You can, no, but, but yeah, I'm just thinking of the little graph. I'm just thinking of the little graph. When you get your test results of the cortisol, right? I'm yeah, just thinking about the little graph. That so makes sense. It's high in the morning, then it drops kind That's of throughout right. the day. So if yes. you drink it throughout the day to artificially pump out more, then the glands can't keep up with the demand. That's right. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's actually so, simple stuff, Tom. This so is, um, <laughs> what about... Uh, what about some people I've been reading uh, recently? I can't remember if I shared this one. I think I did, uh, where, where they say, okay, it's actually beneficial to drink coffee every day because your body gets used to the cortisol or it doesn't, um, it doesn't react to the coffee as much, so it's not spiking cortisol levels. So you kind of get like immune to the coffee. It doesn't spike your cortisol levels, but the caffeine will still give you the mental clarity that you're kind of looking for. So it's actually beneficial to drink clean coffee regularly as opposed to going on and off because when you go on and off coffee, you're gonna be spiking your cortisol levels because your body's not used to it. So you just, you drink it, it's actually better for you if you're drinking clean, good coffee to drink it every day because your body will automatically not react and create those cortisol levels anymore. I know that sounds a little crazy, but I mean, I'm just reading this blog post about it. I would say, first of all, it's individualized. So not everyone's yeah, gonna okay. have that okay, response. Okay, that makes sense. A big factor too is like, there's a specific gene called the CYP1A2 gene. Yeah, that you can get 23andMe, right? Right, so that dictates if you can process coffee or not. So some people metabolize it quickly and some people have a, a problem metabolizing, which means you have the poor variant of that gene. C1G, so, what is it again? C1G. CYP1A2. And for anyone listening that doesn't know what 23andMe is, it's a service that you can get in Canada now, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, 23andMe, sorry. I was 23andMe, I think Ancestry does it as yeah. well. Like they, yeah, so you can, to oh. get your genetics. I was thinking the blood one that we went to the US for. Yeah, what that was, was Wellness that? FX. Uh, yeah, Wellness yeah, yeah. FX, so sorry. Yeah, there's a few different ways to look at it, but so right off the bat, when you start to generalize the whole population in terms of like caffeine intake and coffee intake, right away, a big chunk has that variant of the gene. They're not going to do well with coffee regardless. Yeah, because so, if you process it, so what is it? It's if you process it slowly. Slowly. So it stays in your system longer. So it makes you feel jittery and you don't feel good. I find typically people who have that gene variant uh, don't enjoy coffee as much because they feel a little bit jittery and wired instead of feeling good with it. So, so that's one, and a little bit of a hack with that is you can take a a certain amino acid with the coffee if you have that gene variant, just to kind of control the jitteriness. Yeah, that's right. I knew about that. What is that? It's called L-theanine. That's right. It's a component from green tea, but helps to calm your uh, brain waves down. So you can combine that with your coffee to make it more of a smooth kind of focused energy instead of feeling jittery. And does it pull out the energy longer? Is it prolonging the effect? Not really prolonging. It just kind of. kind of think of it as like smoothing it out so you're not really super high and you know if like on a caffeine overdose you're more of like on a clarity calm got it okay. cool. 
So then for someone like me, just back to uh, back to selfish my uh, my yeah. situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, for it, it, do you think still a day on day off is the right approach for someone like me? I think it's been working for you, right? Because our day, been, day yeah. off, we've been using things like the lion's mane and some of the other brain stimulants, ketones, some yeah. of the other brain energy things. Yeah. It works well. You can do it either way. But I always like to test people to know for sure. Like individualizing things is is the only way yeah, to it's do the it ultimate way. it's so hard to say like do it this way for the masses do it that way for the because it doesn't always work that way and we see that like sometimes people respond very well to high caffeine intake and i'm shocked like we have a, a few people that like athletes yeah well not even athletes but we have a, some business people and some people that you would think uh you'd see some burnout symptoms and they're going pretty heavy in the caffeine each day they've been doing it for a long time and they seem to respond well um and so we kind of keep that going. So it's nothing wrong with coffee. You know, we use coffee a lot in our practice for performance and for a number of different reasons. But um, if it's not working well with you and if your energy isn't good while you're taking it, you're missing the what point, you right? Told, at one point you told me, hey, Tom, save coffee for when you really need it. So right before the CrossFit Open when we were doing yeah. that thing, I went and got like a big, <laughs> That's a, mistake. a big coffee from Starbucks. Some yeah. like it was some reserve blend, Jamaican Blue Mountain blend or something. And I, they had it through this Clover machine, which is like a reverse French yeah. press. And I got like a grande of this thing. And I just chugged this thing down. I went into that thing. I was on fire. Yeah. Like I was literally singing Eye of the Tiger in my mind going through this workout. Yeah. That was crazy. But uh so, but on that, I noticed in Europe when you should have a little espresso, like I think they got a lot figured out over there. Yes. Because when you have a little shot of espresso, I found that's almost like a, I feel like it's a micro dosage compared to having even a tall, tall coffee from Starbucks. Yeah. So the caffeine difference, and I looked it up, there is quite a lot less caffeine in an espresso. Yeah. And espresso is like 80, 80 uh, milligrams and a coffee is about 300. And right. what, what so. size of coffee? Just like a one cup of coffee? Yeah, like an eight to 10 ounces, about like 300, to Yeah, 300 got it. Okay. Milligrams. Okay. So that's why um, over there, they're having a couple espressos. Like they'll hit one espresso in the morning, then maybe around 11 a.m. they'll have another espresso. So yeah. even with two espressos, they're having less caffeine than one cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you can space it out that way too, right? Yeah. So I, I think of coffee as like a nitro boost. Like in your car, it gives you that really quick, strong, high energy, whereas your cortisol is your your sustained strong energy throughout the day. Like that cortisol curve you were talking about, Nick, that's your like strong energy. So the, it starts in the morning, you get a big spike and you kind of ride that curve throughout the day. If you're going along that optimal cortisol curve, you have tons of energy. You're not having any crashes. You feel very alert. And then you can use the caffeine or coffee or espresso to give you like that boost along the way for specific things. Like for a lot of our athletes, we'll do that. So we'll optimize that curve so they have strong energy all day. Before training, they'll do like an espresso shot. Got um, it. Just to give you the extra boost. Because there's tons of performance benefits to caffeine. It's been well documented. One of the most highly researched performance substances, caffeine and creatine, two of the biggest ones. Got it. And caffeine's giving you just that more ener that more immediate energy or? Energy, but also the uh, mental side. So like if you're training, if you're weight training, whatever you're doing, um, having your your mental focus as, is as important as the physical energy. Do, do some right? of those pre-workout drinks, I think some of them have caffeine, some of them don't. They have all sorts of different stuff. I mean, you recommended yeah. one before. Do they have that type of thing? And like, I don't think some of them have directly caffeine, but they have other stimulants in them. Yeah, the only ones that have been really studied and have a lot of evidence would be caffeine, creatine, beta alanine. Okay. Like beta alanine is good for muscle endurance. Actually, I'm going to put a post about this later today, but the uh, Olympic committee did a, sort of a mass study on all the performance supplements and they kind of narrowed it down to the top five things that have 
real performance enhancing benefits verified through research um, and beta alanine is one of them. So a lot of the, pr- the pre-workouts will have some of those things. What, in are, the, them. what are the other ones? Uh, nitri- nitrates uh, and sodium bicarbonate. Sodium bicarbonate and yeah, nitrates. Yeah. What do, Nit- nitri- do you know anything about that I stuff? I know nothing about no. either. Nitrates are in beets. So I don't okay. know if you've heard of people taking like oh, beet juice. I have beet, juice. beet powder. You yeah. got me those boxes, one of the, like okay. the biohack boxes. I have and beet I powder like at home. Yeah. And I've had it a couple times and man, does it taste terrible. <laughs> does what, it, what, what is it good for? So nitrates give you sort of, uh, dilates the blood vessels to give you more blood flow. So allows you to kind of pump more oxygen through and Got it. Okay. some good benefits that way. Um, and the bicarbonate is like a buffer, like a lactic acid buffer. So allows you to train longer. Oh, wow. I'd like that. But yeah. the beta alanine, I think, is... is the beta alanine, you've talked to me that one about that one, right? That yeah. helps with endurance. Muscle endurance. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lactic acid buffer as well. Okay. Um, and creatine gives energy to all your cells. So creatine is good for a ton of things. So even old guys like me at 45 can take creatine d- daily? Yeah, creatine daily. It's very safe. I mean, uh, I grew up in the hockey world and there was a lot of stigma around creatine when I was growing up. Uh, parents saying, oh, it's so dangerous, wrecks your kidneys and you can't. So there was a couple of studies way back showing, suggesting some of that with really high doses. But that a lot of that's been, uh, well, all of that's been debunked now. So creatine safe to take daily. Uh, essentially, it gives your cells energy to okay. work. So, so, so should everybody take creatine daily? Yeah, I think there. I know you're going to answer. It's unique yeah. and yeah, it's dependent, but it, but in general, it's a it's one to consider. One to consider for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it also has some uh, an anti aging angle from that perspective. If you're giving your cells energy, they can work better, right? So that's I mean, it's going to help all of us. Got it. Okay, so okay. on this on this no, this similar topic uh, with these these workout drinks and supplements, because a lot of them are sweetened for flavor with with other things. So I'm still waiting. So I look, a lot of them are sweetened also with like sucralose and things like that, which I'm not a big fan of these artificial sweeteners. But um, so far, there are some and there's more and more coming out with um, with like sweetened stevia. Actually, there's Coke now has, you should see that. Did you see the Coke sweetened stevia? But if you look at the ingredients, it's like, it's sugar. The, it's and all stevia. the sugar still, and then and just add a little stevia. bit of stevia in it. Right? <laughs> so sweet with stevia. So you know what? I love those companies. I love the way they do that stuff. Like I can just appreciate just how crazy they oh, are. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the second because the now second, they can put stevia on it, and everyone thinks it's healthy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. There are some sodas. I forget the name of them. I have them at home, but they're just stevia. There's like three ingredients yeah. in the soda. They sell them at Whole Foods, other places too. Okay. But um, uh, and they taste actually half decent. But, but yeah, I know one of the CrossFit guys, the Canadian CrossFit guys, Brent Fikowski, I think he drinks that stuff. Yeah, I forget the name, and, but, uh, but it's actually de- it's a decent because yeah. I bought one and of ben each Green, just to try Ben it Greenfield home. drinks that one too, oh, yeah. same one. Oh, Zevia? That's yeah. the one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's like three or four ingredients in it compared to yeah. a normal soda, which is like 25 ingredients, right? Um, okay, so this whole Stevia thing though. I'm still waiting, you know, because it was like everyone's on the bandwagon, see Stevie and Xylitol, you're like, oh, you can have those as sweeteners and this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, for now you can. I'm waiting for like in two years from now, something's going to come out saying, ooh, you shouldn't be drinking too much Stevia. That stuff's going to kill you. Yeah. So, it, but as far as all the studies and stuff so far still, like if you are drinking some stuff sweetened with Stevia and not like, you know, 45 drinks of it a day, but, but in a normal amount, that's still okay, Stevia as a sweetener and, and Xylitol? Yeah, Stevia is a plant-based thing so yeah it's going to be safe but isn't cane sugar plant-based too like couldn't you say that about that and that's not really great good that's a good point but the problem with cane sugar is though it spikes your insulin okay right so stevie doesn't do that this is a big problem insulin spiking is a big problem long term for people keeping their weight down so stevia doesn't do that it doesn't trigger that so it's a 
it's an ideal thing to take in if you're looking for an alternative. So that I was actually going to answer pump. just like that, which made me think, oh my gosh, I think I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. But, just, but is, it, but is there other research. side benefits to stevia that maybe we don't even know yet that like, okay, it doesn't spike insulin, but it, to Nick's point, it just like wrecks your gut biome when you take it in a concentrated amount. I guess uh, we just won't know. We don't know. That. But I mean, you don't think so. I don't think so. I think okay. it's going to be pretty safe. I think stevia is probably your, your best bet to go with there. And xylitol, is it on par with stevia is my understanding? One's from like hardwood, one's from a different plant, but yeah. it's pretty Xylitol freaks me out because every time I hear that it's from hardwood, yeah. I just think, why am I going to eat some hardwood? I know. It doesn't sound good, but it does. yeah, <laughs> it doesn't but sound good at all. But I think the stevia is, uh, it makes a little more sense, but yeah, technically it would be similar plant, okay. plant based. From Xylitol like, is yeah. better okay. to bake with because it's closer to a sugar substitute because yeah, yeah. you use it similar, looks like similar, a sugar, similar, similar portions quantities, yeah. and that way you can bake with it easier yeah. and stuff. I'm like, I, I'm a professional chef. I make a pretty mean chocolate pudding with xylitol. It's okay. really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Grass fed butter. Which um, av- avocado chocolate pudding. No, it's no. not that one. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I still uh, never tried that. You know, some, that. I forget. Yeah. I, I think Mike was mentioning that he yeah. made it or something. Awesome. He said it's a great recipe. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that. It's so easy to make too because you go to uh, different health food stores and you'll see the little cups of pudding for like seven or eight dollars, and you can make a whole whack you know, load. Oh you know, yeah, for you know, five for, bucks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cacao powder, avocados, blend it together. That's mm. it. Um, okay, probiotics. Um, it's, I think you made an awesome Instagram post. What's your Instagram handle right now? Just so if anyone's not listening to or following you on Instagram, it's almost worth getting an Instagram account to read your post because some of your posts are like little blog posts with the amount of content they have in there. What is it? Is it just phenom underscore doc? So phenom P H E N O M underscore doc. Yeah. Cause you wrote about probiotics and I think you, I, I might be remembering it incorrectly, but I think you said something like not everyone should take probiotics or there's different types of probiotics like one type can actually feed the problem in your gut am i on the right track here yeah so uh there was a study that came out um showing that if you are taking probiotics just as a general health aid or whatever and you have some small intestinal bacterial growth which means that bacteria should be in your large intestine but if it moves up into the small where it shouldn't be it's more in contact with the air and food and it shouldn't be where it is. So when the bacteria hits that from the, from the probiotics you take, it can create more severe bloating and upset in the stomach, which most people are trying to take private probiotics to prevent. Right. Got it. Yeah. So for a certain number of people, um, they can actually be making the way they feel worse by taking their probiotics. So is that, how do you know which probiotic to take? Do you have to come to someone like yourself and do like a, some gut work to figure out which probiotic is right for your body? Well, they're saying, especially in that study, the conclusion of that was you should treat it as a drug. So you're going to take this to improve something, but anything that has an effect has a, has a side effect. So if it's strong enough to have an effect, it can have a side effect. Got it. it, Right. So I think the point was to take it if you're trying to improve certain things, but taking it blindly all the time and then you're noticing that your bloating's worse and your, your fatigue's worse and you feel like your gut's upset more then maybe it's not lined up for you. You can test those things. You can look at what's going on in your gut. You can test for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. You can check all those things. What was the test that we did with me again to test that? I forgot. Was that the Dutch panel or no? We did a complete, uh, complete digestive panel with you, which was a stool test. That was the stool uh, test. Yeah. yeah. So with that with the test, French fry containers. Yeah. <laughs> with I remember never. You always like French. talking about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was baffling when you get the stool test and you open up the box, you don't expect to see French fry containers in I there. I warned you, didn't I? Yeah. yeah no, you, I think you did, but it's still kind of shocking. 
and the little spoon that is half fork, half spoon. Yeah. So that test is so cool because yeah, yeah, yeah it's gross. I was thinking about it's that. gross. But when but we you started, know, I was thinking about that. I was like, ah, I'm not going to bring that up. And you talk know what? About that I just loved it because I just made jokes with my kids saying, "Hey guys, there's some chocolate ice cream in the freezer. Just don't take the wrong package because there's two different packages. <laughs> One is my samples that you won't mess oh with. I know it's disgusting, but uh, anyway, that's what goes on in my household. It gives you such good information. Though. It shows you what bacteria you have in your gut, like what's there and how much is there shows you if there's some bad pathogens in there and most people a lot of people are carrying things that shouldn't be in there yeast bacteria um, viruses because i think that was after me that you said i had um excess yeast and i think i went on like this awful (laughs) i did it but like no sugar no anything for 30 days to kill the yeast yes remember and then you gave me something else and then uh i think the yeast was coming out in my stool yeah. And it was like white and stuff. It was yeah. gross. Yeah. Um, but I really felt better after doing that. That yeah. was like a big improvement. Yeah. So that was the stool test that tells you that. And it tells you other stuff about your... Yeah, it tells you how uh, strong your gut wall is, which is, is actually super important. Uh, the strength of that gut wall you know, prevents you from the outside. Well, that's your only barrier between the inside and outside world. It's that gut barrier. And also that's where you absorb all your food from. Um and it shows you how well you're processing uh, proteins, fats, carbs, how well they're breaking down. It shows you um, inflammation in the gut, a ton of markers. I mean, it's a very, it's extremely So is that something that we should all do annually, biannually? I think every few years we should all do that to see what's happening with the gut. The gut is, you know, it's becoming more common to talk about Who can about read now. that? You have to go to someone like yourself to even get that, no? Like my regular family doctor is not going to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're typically not looking at that unless you have major issues going on. Um, but a lot of things you can catch before it gets to that point. You know, we see a lot of patients with uh, gut bacteria that's very off, creating a lot of inflammation in the gut. The gut wall is off. So they're not feeling great now, but they're not pathological yet. They don't have a diagnosis. What does pathological mean? It means like if you get to a point where it's it's so off, you get a diagnosis, you get a Crohn's colitis, like an autoimmune IBS or autoimmune or whatever that may be. You get an actual diagnosis at a certain point when it gets bad enough. Okay. Right. So, you know, a lot of our philosophy is trying to catch those things before it gets to that point. Okay. Got it. Um, and so I don't, the, to improve the gut lining, then what are, what are some of the things that we did again? It was the probiotic for sure. First, kill some yeast. Yeah, so, probiotic. Yeah, so you want to kill off whatever's in there so it allows your gut to work properly. So we did that first, then we repaired the lining, the wall. So we did glutamine and collagen powder and some different Yeah, that's different right. Yeah, okay. If anyone's never tried that, because I did that too. I went for you know, four or six weeks with yeah. like no sugar. And, um, you know, a couple of people that I've spoken to, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I did something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, you don't, you don't get it. Like, cause I've done it's, stuff like that. Like I've done over time, you know, since I was about, I guess I started experimenting with different foods and diets and stuff, just kind of testing when the South beach diet was big, different, you know, just trying different things for a month at a time. So I started doing different stuff from when I was about 20. So for like a long time, I've been doing different stuff and I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, I mean, no, ju- like nothing that can even like turn into sugar in your body and stuff. It was a, it was a, it was a shock to the system. And about to the first week after the first couple of days at about 8 p.m. every night, I wanted sugar. So but like I would if my arm was made of sugar, I would have started biting it off. I wanted sugar so bad. And that's when I found um, that one the one drink I still take with the water and the, it's basically like a it's like a bulletproof coffee, but without the coffee. So I mix water instead and put some stevia in it and vanilla beans. And that's when you taught me, you told me that you're like, yeah, the protein and the fat together will turn off the sugar receptors in in the brain body. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, so the mix of protein and fat turns them off, which I was like, man, that makes sense. Because after I had that, I was good for the night. That's right. And that was game-saving for me when I was trying to make it through that month. Um, but then after... After a couple of weeks, then I got a little bit lethargic. Like I got weaker. I knew from my lifts in the gym, I was definitely like I, I lost energy and things like that. And then my body finally switched over and then everything started kind of coming back. So by the end of the month, I felt like almost as good as I did at the beginning, except I was like my body was kind of off the sugar stuff, which so it made a difference. But it was it's a tough thing to do if you go like full out because it's not just like you can't have chocolate bars or juice, but there's a lot of foods you can't eat. Like I think any sauce on a, anything. Like yeah. And like you can't even think like I think uh, carrots you can't eat like potatoes, yeah. like there's like, like even stuff that you think normally you can eat. You can't even eat that stuff, which was kind of shocking. Right. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you guys had a similar picture going on, right? With the gut. And there's a genetic component there too, as well with what's happening in the gut and the microbiome and all that. So we might actually, so you had a similar, we might actually really be brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you had a similar protocol to kind of fix that. Yeah. But yeah, people, don't realize uh when you say don't eat sugar they're thinking well i don't eat much candy i don't eat much but, but i mean the so white carbohydrates brown, rice yeah, yeah all those things break down into sugars they're just chains of sugar yeah the wine that the wine yeah the wine that yeah. i had to detox yeah. myself from but once you fix those things you don't go back to those issues once you get your gut strong you'd be amazed at how many other aspects of the way you feel improve oh my god so both yeah. you guys are good examples of that so the biggest right. thing that i noticed immediately was the mid-afternoon crash disappeared yeah. The crash that I used to get, I don't know, around one thirty, two o'clock when I struggled for that 30 to 45 minutes. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I wouldn't go and then yeah. drink a coffee to try to make it through. That is gone. Like, I don't yeah. get that in the afternoon. I do still get that in the afternoon, but now I know when it's lack of sleep because sometimes I'll only sleep for five and a half or six hours. That, and I know that's not ideal. But when I'm tired, I'll get that in the afternoon. But it is only when I know I'm short on sleep as well. The cool part is that your gut system and your hormone system are so directly linked that you can't really separate them apart. So for example, if you had a lot of gut inflammation, like you just said, mm -hmm. in the beginning phases, that would have been stealing your cortisol units. So if you're creating inflammation in your in your body, in your gut, taking those cortisol units makes your energy go down. Yeah, that's... Okay? So when you repair the gut, you allow those energy units to restore and people's energy comes right back up, right? Yeah, that's cool. The biggest problem with the whole process is what you haven't shown me yet is a way that I can eat a lot more pizza, which I really enjoy, <laughs> and not be negatively impacted. So hey, don't you have some enzymes yeah. we can just like throw yeah. in our, you can know, you, just can you figure that yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. Some pizza and some enzymes, yeah. you know, like ways. open some capsule and sprinkle it on the pizza and just eat the pizza so it can digest okay? A couple of ways. Yeah, you could do digestive enzymes that would help keeping your gut bacteria balanced. And probably when you guys were in Europe, um, eating those things didn't impact you. No, right? not, like, not I stay away. I, you know what? Even though I'm in Europe, I pretty much still stay away from that. I just know how pizza will make me feel. Yeah. And uh, I just can't. It's the cheese, man. Ordered, I just can't handle it. My we, body breaks. We ordered in one, one of the cities. They have all these restaurants and there's like the jumbo pizza, which is like for a family of four. Like when I have a picture of it, it's literally like like the size of me. It's massive, like the yeah. whole table. Yeah. And it was nice, thin crust. And I think my kids had a piece and then I ate the rest. <laughs> I just I'm like man this is good I haven't had good pizza in a long time I ate the whole thing and but you know what I did, yeah I, I felt off definitely for like an hour because I just yeah. ate so much of yeah. anything but uh, but yeah I was fine I, you know I was fine after which was so I, the one-off things I can definitely handle now whereas before I would have there would have been a, a bigger impact for sure okay so the next thing I wanted to chat with you is something I noticed over the summer was just I did accidental intermittent fasting a little bit I think actually a lot because uh, we'd get up, I would have breakfast around 10 a.m. or so, approximately. And then I would have like this massive lunch around 
four, three, four p.m. Like fit, you know, I had the best lunch. I just got to tell you this. I had these plate of, um, I don't even like, uh, what's that fish called? The anchovies. Okay. A plate of anchovies. I'm talking maybe there's 25 anchovies on, on the plate, maybe 30. And they're just quickly a little bit of flour on them, but like a dusting and then just kind of fried a little bit. Oh my gosh. So I'd eat all that as my appetizer. Then I would have like a, a filet mignon type kind of steak with an egg on top. And I would have a tomato salad, a cabbage salad, and sometimes also a cucumber salad. Oh my gosh. And then with mixed in with all this wine, it was, oh, and then, yeah, a bunch of French fries too. So I forgot to mention, yeah, a whole <laughs> kind of plate of French fries and sometimes some roasted potatoes. Oh, and this red rice. We'd get this rice mixed with vegetables and some kind of red sauce in it. And that was my lunch. So That's an epic lunch. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. they, they were good. And they were wow. great Well, lunches. part of it was like, you know, sometimes it would be the rice or the French fries or yeah. like the, some, some French fries left over from Sometimes it would be both. Uh, but uh, but then I would stop eating at like five and I wouldn't eat again till 10. And I noticed after probably around two or three weeks, my body held its weight pretty consistent. But on the fourth week, I just started dropping weight. I could just tell the way my clothes were fitting. I wasn't even weighing myself. I could just tell. I'm like, oh my gosh. So what's happening there? My body was holding, holding, holding. And then it finally realized, Tom, you're not, I wasn't working out at all. So it says you're not working, you're not going to the gym. You're doing this. It's a new way of life and your body composition changes. Yeah, so a couple of things. You're kind of doing uh, time-restricted eating just by the way you're doing it. Was it was natural, yeah. Uh, yeah. Time-restricted eating versus intermittent fasting is a little bit different Okay, concept. so what's the difference? Intermittent fasting is just you're eating for a period of time and not eating for a period of time. Time-restricted eating is eating mainly during the daylight hours. So there's some research to show that your organs, like your digestive organs, are more active during the day. So if you're eating during that, time of day it kind of works better and then at nighttime it's kind of like your digestive system goes on repair mode and fixes everything so then you shouldn't be putting stuff in when you're trying to repair the digestive factory or whatever you want to call it right so you're kind of doing time restricted eating with that so um beyond that 12 hour fast mark you get a spike in growth hormone you get your insulin levels that are starting to balance out a little bit more insulin's that real key there though because balancing your insulin level allows you to kind of burn the body fat got it okay because even though i was drinking all that wine i was surprised i'm like i'm not actually gaining any weight here yeah. i'm actually losing weight with this setup yeah so you think because of the time restricted eating my body just went into this phase where it's like going to produce more, more growth hormone and my body's going to not react it can digest and process everything and i'm still healthy for sure and you're also eating good quality stuff there too yeah, right, like all yeah, those the quality yeah, stuff the, makes the a the difference quality for sure. Was good. So that helps. There you. was no processed, yeah, and yeah, like they, they were yeah. for the French fries. You know, you'd walk to the restaurant, you'd see them peeling the potatoes to yeah. make the French fries yeah. out, yeah. out back. Yeah. They right? were it's amazing like, French fries. But, but it's, so even the French fries didn't, weren't coming in a big plastic bag, you know, from yeah. some supplier somewhere. Yeah, and that's a big misconception too. A lot of people are trying intermittent fasting and different types of uh, fasting protocols, and they're kind of uh, thinking as long as I keep my eating window, I can eat whatever I want in that window which is it's not, you're not going to get all the benefits. You still want to eat good things in your eating window. You still want to put good fats and good proteins. So how do you in. balance this stuff though? Because I know now that I'm back here and I'm going to go to the gym more regularly, three times a week, sometimes four times a week is yep. kind of my schedule. If I don't eat more food, um, I know now through working with you and talking with Nick, like I'll just kind of mess up my body. My throat will get dry, all this kind of stuff. So I have to eat more carbohydrate. I have to bring back oatmeal into my diet and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I need more hours in the day to do all that because I'm busy. 
So like, is there a way to do what I was doing over there in a North American kind of lifestyle? Because I'm, sometimes if I get home, I'll maybe take my son to soccer or something like that. I have to be eating dinner around 7.30, 8, 8.30, sometimes maybe 9.30. Yeah, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? Like you guys are in good shape and you're staying lean and strong. So if you're trying to lose you know, 100 pounds or 50 pounds, you may want to be a little more tightly regulated on those hours, on those times, right? So okay, try to keep your window not, a little yeah, shorter. Okay. I mean, for you, I think it's staying sharp mentally and optimizing your day and keeping your energy high for both of you so you can be productive. So you can keep sort of a looser window there. And you can always also uh, move your window up and down throughout the day, right? Let's say it doesn't have to be fixed every day. Let's say you get up and you have breakfast at uh, noon, right? Then you can finish eating at 8 p.m. Yeah, got it. Okay. And there's and all different ways of doing it. you think there would be some benefit it. to that? Yeah. Like not having breakfast till noon? You're a pretty lean guy though. Like already, yeah. it's not like it's you have a weight loss problem. Yeah. Really. yeah. It's not like you hold weight It's weird. Quickly. I'm not trying to lose weight and I'm not really trying to gain weight. I'm just trying to be healthy. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So there's, yeah. So there's a number of benefits. <laughs> to Does that make sense? I just want to be healthy. <laughs> yeah. So like there's the cognitive benefit. I think the long-term insulin benefit is helpful. I think the f- having some fasting hours helps your gut repair too. That's another angle yeah, that, for, yeah, that would help. Got it. You okay. know, so it's not necessarily just the fat loss and weight loss component, but for long-term health, it's good. Um, and if you're – the other misconception about fasting too is if you're uh, one of those people who's always tired, you're crashing in the afternoon, you can't get up in the morning, you have some of those cortisol regulation issues we talked about, the fasting doesn't work well for you. It's an added stress. Mm. It makes it worse. So if, you, if you're already struggling and then you add – not eating till 2 p.m. to the mix. You're hurting you're yourself. You're really What about some of your, harder. like, il, uh, the some young people that you're working with, elite athletes, because I know you work with some. We were just talking about some uh, some UFC stuff. Um, what about those kind of guys? They're not going to not eat until noon. They must be eating in the morning, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends okay. on, depends uh, again, depends on what we're trying to do there. If, if you're trying to uh, lean out quickly, if you're trying to drop the body fat, I might create a like maybe a 12 hour or a 10 hour or eight hour eating window for a period of time or a couple of days a week. Um, okay. Got but they're it. So, also so training. You, okay. I mean, the UFC guys are training three times a day, two yeah. or three times a day. Think of how many calories yeah. they're burning. So they need the food. So we're trying to match that because otherwise they're going to get too lean and so too quickly. So we're trying to match that with the hockey guys. We can be a little more creative. Some of the NHL guys in the off season, we can be a little creative by balancing, keeping your calorie intake high in your eating window. Like you can, st- we have some guys still eating five thousand calories in eight hours. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Even That's during a lot the of season, food. It's a about, lot of food, a about, lot of high fats, a lot of good quality stuff. But then they have their still have their fasting window where they're getting leaned out. So you have to have some kind of strategy like that if you're trying to keep your size up but lean your okay. body fat so down. Are they burning, Got so it. they're okay. burning. They're burning then their equivalent amount of calories per day. I'd imagine, right? Yeah, well, like, I mean... And, and the reason I'm asking, so let me just further yep. the question, is about the calories in versus calories out, right? Because everyone says, a lot of people are like, well, look, losing weight's kind of simple. You know, it's calories in versus calories out, right? So if you burn more calories than you're taking in, you'll lose weight. And if you take more in than, than you burn, you're going to gain weight. And I don't know if it is that simple. And that's why I'm asking, if they're taking in 5,000 calories, I mean, like, how many flipping calories are they burning? That's a, that's a really good question. There's a couple layers to that, and it's a huge problem i think with the way people in general are thinking the calories in calories out thing is 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 important and if you if you look at the big picture you can lose weight 
by getting your calories lower than what you're burning naturally, your base level makes sense, right? First of all, it's hard to do and calorie restriction is almost impossible for people to do long-term. So you've got to have some creative ways. That's where fasting helps. But the hormonal impact is, I think, even more important than that. So like the insulin side of things. So if you're not managing what your insulin's doing, that's your fat storage hormone, right? So if you don't have a period of time where you're bringing your insulin down and rebalancing it, you're not able to burn those fat stores. So there's an analogy that's going around. It's kind of common now, but basically if you think of um, weight loss as two different, so you have an upstairs fridge and you have a downstairs freezer. So the upstairs fridge is your calories in, calories out. So it's easy to access, right? So you can eat food, calories goes in the fridge, you can burn it, you can run on the treadmill, it goes out, right? But if you want to access the body fat stores, they're locked away in the freezer in the basement. So how do you get those? So to get those, you got to get your insulin balanced out to access that basement freezer. That's where you store your body fat, right? This is why people go crazy on the upstairs fridge. Calories yeah, calories, in, calories, in, calories out. Calories out. out. And so you, if their hormonal balance is off, it doesn't matter about calories in, calories okay. out. They're not yeah. going to be able to produce the hormones that will run their body efficiently and make them drop the weight. Yeah, and this is why we use fasting for that particular reason. So if you are fasting for, like we were saying earlier, like 12-hour window, you start to bring your insulin levels down. When you bring your insulin levels down, your body gets a signal to release that stuff out of the basement freezer. And now you can burn that as energy, as fuel. You can put that into your tank and burn it right but most people go crazy on that upstairs fridge so and they're running and they're micro counting all these things and you may be able to do that for a little while you may be able to be able to kind of get into a deficit for a little while but long term it's hard to maintain that and also if you're in a calorie deficit for a long time you slow your metabolic rate so like you were saying like the 5000 calorie yeah so like you were saying the 5000 calorie idea so some of our NHL guys are burning 1200 calories in a session we've measured it wow they've worn they've Jeez. they've played 3 on 3 or 4 on 4 and they measure it and 1200 calories they're burning right so long term what long term wise you've got to get the insulin stuff in check if you want to keep burning body fat over a long period and this is i don't know if you guys heard the stuff about the the biggest loser show the the I remember the show. show yeah yeah so they're you know, being because their whole thing is calories in, calories out. Yeah, you know? but they're being studied like crazy right now. There's a number of papers that have come out on that show showing that when those contestants start the show at the beginning, I think it's like 16 weeks or something, they'll measure their base metabolic rate and it's really high. Let's say it's, let's say 2,500 calories is their base rate, which means you have to eat less than that to lose, more than that to gain weight. But as they starve them basically throughout that duration of the show, by the end of it, when they measure their base metabolic rate, it's like 500. Wow. So now when you go back home and you leave the show and you eat 525 calories, still too you're going to gain. You eat you eat 600, you're going to gain. So then it becomes this impossible task where you're just trying to go lower and lower and lower and lower and you can't do that. And we see that in our clinic too where people have done very extreme diets for a long time. They're eating under 1,000 calories and they're not losing any weight. So that's why you hear about people saying, complaining, I'm going to the gym, I'm running on the treadmill for an hour every day. But I'm and I'm I'm in a calorie deficit, I think, but I'm still gaining weight because their yeah. hormone hormonal balance is kind of messed up. Hormon, so they may not be in a calorie deficit, which is one, because people often yeah, don't, okay. don't count okay, ca- don't yeah, count yeah, the yeah. little things. Like if yeah, you ask could, them what they've eaten throughout the day, they don't count the three Oreos on the way to the fridge. They don't count the O Henry bar at the gas station. Or the they iced don't tea count, that they drank. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't count those, so that's one. But the second thing is the hormone uh, problems, which is 
insulin and cortisol. So if cortisol is too high, you're going to store belly fat. And all of us, the way we live today is fast paced cortisol overdrive lifestyle. And if you've burnt out your cortisol and it's too low, you're going to store. So cortisol needs to be balanced, kind of like your thermostat needs to be in the middle zone for you to burn. And then insulin is is the other one. So at that period of time, when I was drinking a lot of uh, bulletproof coffee, when I, and at one point, probably for more than six months, I think I was putting in uh, over four tablespoons of butter into every coffee. I was losing weight, but I think I was, uh, taking in more calories than I was expending during that time. Cause I was eating a lot of fatty foods that were high in calories. Were you stronger at that point? Did you feel strong in the gym? No, maybe not. No, I'm like maybe just plateau, like not stronger. See by doing that you're so, but I think I wasn't gaining weight, but you removed all at that point for a period of time, you removed all carbs, like almost, yes. almost yeah. all. So protein doesn't have as many calories. Yeah. So the fat might've been making up for some of that. Maybe it was just I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying like you, you cause you removed them all. Remember I was like, yeah. Tom, it's too much. Yeah. And you finally learned that I was right. Six months after. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why a lower carb diet tends to work for a lot of people because you're not triggering insulin as much. And you kind of said it, Nick, like protein doesn't trigger insulin as much. It does a little bit. Any food triggers insulin a little bit. Even fats do a little bit but carb intake really does, right? So you were doing higher fats and coffee, which is suppresses appetite, and you probably weren't eating as much overall I wasn't. throughout the day. Because you typically people who are doing the, the Bulletproof coffee um, are not eating for a number of hours after because it just turns off your appetite. Yeah, it wasn't hungry, yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of factors there, but you could actually feel stronger by incorporating the grass-fed butter because that cholesterol builds all your hormones. Got it. So... Um, there's ways of doing it where you can maximize both, right? And I think that's why the fasting windows are helpful for that because you can still keep your metabolic rate up. You can still eat like that guy's eating 5,000 calories in that window. So his metabolic rate's still going high, right? But then he has a period of time where he's not eating. So he's balancing his insulin, balancing his blood sugar, cortisol is coming back in. During the season, how are you feeding some of these hockey players? Like how they're just eating constantly or... Yeah, you got to eat constantly um, just to keep up with that rate. Because like, how do they keep the muscle mass on them like six months into the season, especially if they're going to have a playoff run? A couple things. One, we we test as the season goes. So hormone testing we, we look at as mid-season. So one thing that will happen as you go through the demanding schedule is you'll wear your body down in terms of your cortisol. So cortisol will drop and something else called DHEA. DHEA often gets overlooked, but it's the mother of all your anabolic hormones. So DHEA makes all your 17 like anabolic hormones naturally. Those are all your muscle building, strength building, power hormones. So what happens if you wear your body down cortisol wise, DHEA will follow that. So restoring DHEA keeps your lean muscle mass on. Got it. Okay. So we, you're going to work with them to restore DHEA. Yeah. So we did that with one of our hockey guys this off season. He went from 185 to 200 pounds. We doubled the DHEA naturally. His nutrition was the same. Training was the same. Got it. Okay. Right. So that's a big part of it, restoring that. And then from 185 to 200. So now how long? Six weeks. Wow. So what did he gain? And and I guess he's still lean. Like that's. He's like uh, 10% 10 body fat, somewhere. You know what? So something freaky happened to me last year. So I've wanted to remember when I was talking to you, I'm like, I want to hit these numbers, like certain weightlifting numbers and stuff. And I'm like, I just couldn't put on weight like I just couldn't I couldn't do it like you have to eat more here's what you got to eat and and I tried it for a period of time and then I stopped and I I told him I can't do it because I was like gorging myself by the time it was I was ready for my next meal I was still full and I couldn't even 
put the food in. Your like body it, was like throwing up yeah. in your mouth. So I couldn't do it, but it was weird. About this time last year, all of a sudden something shifted in my body. I don't know why. And maybe I had just been trying to lift heavy weights for long enough or whatever, really focusing on weightlifting. And I just got really hungry. And I mean, for the next four, six weeks, I was eating, like naturally I would be hungry and wanting to eat the way that, you know, yourself, Dan at the gym told me that I needed to mm-hmm. eat all this stuff. And so I was, I couldn't believe how much food I was eating. I was just eating and then I was hungry again. And like, and even my wife's like, holy, you're, what the heck is going on? Everything left over in the house I was eating. And uh, yeah, I gained, I gained a bunch of weight, got strong, hit all these, I was so happy. I was like, this is amazing. And um, so then I changed my, my training again and went back and I, I was able, I brought it back down, you know, because naturally for me, I think it's better a little bit lower. But it was just weird how, so at one point that clicked, I got naturally got really hungry, gained the weight, it got much stronger, and then it you know just kind of went away when I changed things again. Yeah, there's a transition period because your body gets used to a set weight. So you've got to kind of do things, whether you're trying to gain size or lose size, to break through those barriers, right? To push yourself to, to eat more and push yourself to eat more. Heavy lifting will make you crave more protein. Your body, your brain will just go, well, you need more protein for more repair. So that helps. Um, but yeah, you have to kind of, force yourself initially and then it becomes normal like the guy we have at 5,000 calories took a little bit of time to get him to the 5,000 right his team asked him to be a little bit bigger this year so will he be able to hold that weight you think or he'll drop it he's starting I guess at 200 so even if he drops he's going to be better than starting at 185 and dropping yeah he'll hold it I mean he's a lot of the hockey guys have been trying to put on size that's the biggest thing in the offseason for these guys they're trying for the younger guys they're trying to put on size every year so he's been trying that but he'll be able to maintain at that 200 level uh, and some guys as the season goes they'll lose weight and some guys will gain body fat so some really? guys some guys will lose w- mass overall Damn, and yeah. some will gain like belly fat why is that because their cortisol because they must be like you know so their cortisol levels just be, must be getting their whacked bodies when they're trying to play yeah. and they play they play at night which is naturally for naturally for your cortisols lower at that time right that's exactly right so they'll play at night and they'll use different things to get their energy up at night like we'll use caffeine we'll do different shots of espresso whatever we're gonna do to get the energy maximized and then they have a hard time falling asleep later a lot of times so that'll get the body fat yeah so then your sleep window's off and then most times they'll play have to sleep that night in the hotel and then get up the next morning and fly the next even after a late beer league hockey game i couldn't fall asleep you know you come home at like you're a midnight pumped about all the plays you made oh my gosh you should see my slap shot legendary um yeah so yeah the impact of that and then you do that for a number of games and you travel and sometimes the food options in different places are not as amazing as they would in the off season when you can control everything. So, but we try to manage like uh, what foods work best with each guy and they know that and they have that awareness so they can hand pick. Teams are pretty good now where they'll have a number of options. Usually have three options on the road. You guys can have pasta, you can have quinoa, you can have sweet potatoes. Like they have chefs that you're traveling with them in these hotels or something? Not traveling, but when they go to the destination, they'll usually have it arranged where they can get different options. Here's the meals. Okay. Yeah, so you can kind of handpick. So that helps for sure. That's changed, I think, because a number of years ago, it went in sports, that type of stuff Just didn't grab exist. a burger. Like they weren't worried, thinking about their diet. Yeah. And you've yeah. seen it in the athletes now in, in all sports, like NFL, NBA, oh, NHL. Yeah, yeah. The athletes are at a whole other level compared to how they used to be, you know, 10, even, even as little as 10 years ago, never mind 20, 25 years ago. Like NFL used to be big fat guys on the offensive line you know now they're like yeah. they're still big guys but they can they can run they faster can run, than yeah. we can at half the way you yeah. know yeah it's come a long way i mean hockey i think is still catching up a little bit some of the other like some of the 
uh, MMA and UFC fighters we worked with over the years and boxers have already kind of done these things. I think the stakes might be a little higher for sure. those guys. Yeah, you're locked <laughs> well, in a cage. Yeah, right? <laughs> Fighting so for your life. So they're kind of looking for a lot of those things. And a lot of the stuff that we've been doing in practice, a lot of the hormone testing and food reactivity gut testing, they already know of. Oh, so they'll okay. come in and say, and even our Olympic athletes, a lot of the Olympic athletes will come and say, look at I heard about this. Can we look at this? Can we look at this? They'll be a little bit aware. Hockey guys, a lot of times, is we're explaining to them for the first time. Here's why we should do this. Here's why we should do that. This is important. Um, but it's getting better now. I mean, even in the NBA, they've made a, a number of changes. I think Whole Foods now supplies all the food for the Lakers. Um, yeah, God, I've read some articles on that kind of stuff too, and they have different nutritionists and functional medicine guys in there. Yeah, it's important. I mean, we talked about this earlier, but it's important to look at like most of us check our cars more often than we check ourselves, and individualized medicine is the way of the future. Like the stuff that you guys are kind of similar in some of the testing we've done, but you would be different in a ton of other things, right? Yeah. So like to give the same protocol for a whole group of twenty-five people, it's, you're not going to get. Totally. The same one of the more enlightening ones was when you took our DNA. I don't know if Nick did this one. You took my DNA and you ran it through some database that you have access to. And then out came some of the supplements that definitely would be a benefit to me based on my DNA. And I think that's how we found some of like, I think it was like B12, glutathione, some of the things. Some of, And it was very clear because it was, what was that test again? It's called pure genomics. But we, uh, we run through basically uh, genetics group of specialists will process your genes and look at the clinically relevant genes so not the genes for eye color and hair color and things like that like the genes that control how much fat can you tolerate this is another reason why the ketogenic diet visit this with high you, fat diet doesn't work for everyone because mm-hmm. some people tolerate different levels of saturated fat depending on what their genes are doing what their genes are, yeah. are coded for yeah i can tolerate I a lot of yours, fat. yours was more because i was naturally when you went through mine and you compare it to Tom's, like I'm naturally prone to actually holding more weight than you are because through some genetic thing, I forget what it was, you're yeah. like, yeah, you're, you will definitely naturally hold more weight. But now because of the amount of activity I do, you were saying that like you bust through that, yeah. but genetically, the, you know, that's the I'm way you're of, set. Yeah. yeah. And you can see if you're prone to, you know, not converting vitamin D well to get your levels that you need, omega-3 levels. There's uh, metabolic genes, there's detox, immune genes. There's a number of genes on there and it kind of gives you your, um, what your system is designed to do. The coolest part about that is though, um, 98% of your genes are regulatory. Uh, Like your 98% of your DNA is regulatory coding. So what that means is only 2% of your DNA codes for what your body is doing. The 98% that they thought was junk DNA is actually regulating and monitoring the environment to change how the 2% is being coded. Holy shit. Okay, this is crazy. This is a field called epigenetics. It's been around, but um, think about that. So 98% they thought this is just uh, garbage. garbage. Like we don't know what this is. Um, We're just gonna throw it to the side, but they've done tons of research in this area. This is a whole field of research now, but that 98% is what determines, like let's say you have identical twins with the same 2% genes and you have them grow up in different areas in different environments, their health changes will be significantly different. So epigenetics is how the environment is affecting your personal DNA. Yeah, so this is some of the benefits of, and the most direct communication you have with um, the environment is your the food you eat. That's the most direct, think about you're doing that all day long, you're putting it into your system, it's going directly into your body. 
so that and exercise and lifestyle factors um, are guided. So that 98% is kind of like a kind of like a brain that's sensing what's going on in the environment and making adjustments. And right. so that was the first test that really discussed this at all that I had seen that you had given me because yeah. that was looking at how the environment is interacting with my DNA. Yeah. So it, was, a, it is freaky emailing you your full DNA because you had me export my stuff from, I think, my 23andMe account or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I just it was a big attachment. Right, I just yeah. emailed you myself. Yeah. I felt like I was emailing myself yeah. over the Internet to yeah. you. Here I am. Yeah, this is my code. DNA. Yeah. And one big text message, uh, text file. Yeah. It's but, so amazing to have um, a look at what you're your DNA is coding to do and then look at the functional markers like we talked about to see what it's currently doing. Like all the uh, cortisol testing, hormonal testing shows a snapshot of what your body's doing right now. Right. Yeah, I gotcha. But the DNA coding shows what it's programmed to do. So a lot of those things on the DNA, we don't have to fix because you guys have a healthy lifestyle. You're overcoming a lot of those anyways. So you don't have to correct them. Um, what do you mean we're overcoming? So we have crap DNA. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but no, like how, I'm joking. Like I, was, I get it. I was yeah, programmed yeah. to kind of hold yeah. more yeah, weight, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or you're, <laughs> you're eating in a way that's, uh, or you're doing things like, for example, if you're not, um, let's say your vitamin D status is low, but you spend a lot of time outdoors because you're conscious of that. So maybe your conversion rate is low genetically, but you're doing things already naturally to Damn. improve that. This is all happened. I remember being in the software industry and then uh, reading about how they were like trying to decode the DNA. Remember this like the year 2000 yeah. and stuff. And then it just seems like in the last seven or eight years, all these practical applications of that are starting to come out. Yeah. Don't you feel like that? Yeah, yeah. And the, just speed, the, last the speed, speed. So what happens in the happening? next 10 crazy. years? Think about the next 10 oh, years. I, I, it's it's going to be It's going to be insane. Well, the other crazy part about that 98% is what they're realizing now, you know, speaking to the next 10 years is they're realizing that is inherited. So what you're doing in your life today will impact the next generations of your family That's based insane. on that 98%. Yeah. So it's what you already screwed up your kids because you weren't healthy before when you had them. So you've I ate one too many Oreo cookies, <laughs> one too many Oreo cookies. And now my grandchildren will suffer. Yeah. yeah. So they did yeah. a, this is crazy. They did a study on pigs where they had them have a vitamin A deficient diet. So no vitamin A in the diet, right? Up until the time of conception. So vitamin A controls eye growth and vision and mainly eye stuff. So that generation of offspring developed no eyes. Jesus. They had no eyeballs, just the lids, almost uh So if you come nice. from a family if you come from a family history that doesn't have access to good nutrition, you really couldn't have your DNA sequence can be messed up. Can that yeah. be corrected though? Let's say so let's say from our you know our parents they had maybe some deficiencies, but then Nick and I eat really healthy and take care of ourselves. Then that must also get passed on. Yeah, no? that's the coolest part because you can adjust that. So that same study, it's a perfect question. The next generation, so the pigs that had no eyes. So my grandchildren owe me. They owe the you. Way. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah. paving the way. But the next generation, they gave them vitamin D back into their system and then their offspring had eyes. That is insane. Do you see what I mean? Yes. So you can. That is insane. So that 98% codes for that too, which which is so cool for us because there's a reason for us to keep a good lifestyle and eat the things that work best for your body and do all these things, not just for your own personal whatever yeah, it is. It. It's your also. Offspring. Yeah. It's also creating health down the line, right? So, cool. so 23andMe is available in Canada. I'm conscious. I think an, a lot of people so, do it through, I think, Ancestry too now. Okay, so Ancestry. Yeah. Ancestry.com. But what about the, or blood, the blood, so the, the stuff that you've, the test that 
well, I guess two things, Tommy. Like we went to Wellness FX, which was in the states, which was just like a, a kind of uh, all sorts of different blood markers. But there's nothing like that where you can just active go by yourself, and you always yeah. need a referral in Canada. Yeah, we have to find you, right, or someone like you. Actually, we're doing that now. Like we talked about this earlier. You weren't here yet, Nick, okay. though. But we're doing like our Be a Phenom program now, where we've handpicked all the best markers. I like the name of that. Be a Phenom. It's good. I like it. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Good. You're the marketing guy, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, we're looking at all the best markers conventionally, and then all the best functional markers. So we do a whole panel of all the best inflammatory markers, thyroid markers, blood sugar, insulin, all those important things. And then we also do a food sensitivity blood test. And then we do our hormone uh, profile to see your energy, sleep, wake rhythm, metabolism, uh, inflammation kind of panel. So then we can have a good look at what's happening with someone as a whole. So you do that as like a new patient type thing? Yeah, we're doing, we just launched that a couple of weeks ago where we've kind of pulled all those markers together. Damn, we started with you before. I want to yeah. be a phenom you too. Can, no, so you can, can we still be a phenom? There's still hope for you. Yeah, is there? Okay, I just want to be a phenom too. Yeah. I don't want to get cut out of this. Yeah, so it is important to look at that. I mean, most of us, you know, check our cars more often than we check ourselves. We go years and years. We have no clue. Yeah, we just like wait I get for a something to Remember you go to Mr. Lube. I remember when I was young, you get a printout on yeah. here's everything yeah. going on with your car. Yeah. And here you can't, you yeah. can't get anything. You yeah. go to the doctor, it, they're like, no, you're good. We're not going to send you for anything. Finally, like, well, I want to see yeah, what's going on inside. You know? yeah. yeah. And, and also within that, there's optimal zones in those levels, right? Like for thyroid hormone, for example, the range is so big. Like for, for your thyroid to work properly, it's up to five, right? Optimal is under two. So if you go in with a four, nine, nine, yeah, it's fine. You, nothing's going to get flagged. No, you're not going to get a call. Thyroid's great, yeah. right? But when we're looking at it, we want to get you under two because as soon as you go to 5.01, now you have a thyroid issue that needs to be treated medically. And So how, how we were talking about this briefly, but how often should someone like myself come to, to see you? You've helped me a lot, but I feel like I want to come kind of regularly and do these blood panels and these markers yeah tom that, wants to test every day if you can no it's not every day no no now because you fixed me a lot no really i do feel so much better just energy level wise i remember uh yeah i was messed up when i went to see you uh that but that was what maybe three years ago now yeah. or something you've really really helped me a lot um but uh i guess once you get through so you have to see someone initially a lot more i guess that's what it is or so, more regularly and then you can go to, onto like a maintenance kind of schedule yeah so the way we've designed it now is you come in initially and we look at everything, kind of like checking your car for diagnostics, see what's going on, create a tailored plan to fix those specific issues. So hormonal system, digestive system. Yeah. What am I missing? Hormonal, digestive. Um, those, are, those are the big kind of broad systems. But okay. within that, we're looking at inflammatory markers, thyroid, insulin, cortisol, DHEA, all those things. Fix those things up. And we have like a three-month plan to fix all those retest you. And then we give you like a long-term success plan. And then we have our patients doing that once a year. It's kind of like taking your car and check everything, fix Got everything. It. Okay. Go so on come in back uh, next year, do the same kind of thing, check check all the markers. Yeah. That's okay. what we do. And then for our other athletes, our UFC fighters and NHL and Olympic athletes, we usually do that same process like twice a year. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So we're looking at everything. And then obviously we help them with fight camps and playoffs and everything okay. else. What do you refer to yourself? Are you a functional? I've asked you this before. Functional medicine? Yeah. Naturopathic doctor by training and then also functional medicine uh, doctor as well. So we have four NDs on staff that are all trained the same way. We all practice the same way. <clears throat> we use, we call it the phenom method where we're looking for those underlying issues and target them directly with natural solutions and then retest. And, um, it's just, I th we just think it's the way the, the future is figuring out what's going on with you individually 
and then fixing those specific pieces. I think it's nice to hear individually because all of us, I think Nick's been really good at this over the years, but so many people want to just uh, paint broad strokes, right? And say, oh, you should go on this diet or you should do this and that's going to fix you, you know? And someone like, I will hear that stuff and say, oh, really? Okay, I'll just do that (laughs) and I'll try that. And then I'll realize that didn't work at all. And then I have to try something else. I think now when we're finally with the DNA and the blood markers and the food intolerances, we can finally accept that all of us are different. Everyone's going to build muscle differently. Everyone's going to lose fat differently. Everyone's body type is different. Everyone's DNA is different. And then there's epigenetics where we can kind of tweak it. Um, So we're all just unique and it's getting to that information that's been difficult I think through the regular system in Canada, the blood marker test that I got not too long ago, I went and got one for some reason I forget, I think just maybe to test it out. It was like on a dot matrix printer I felt and it was like half a sheet and I couldn't even read anything. Whereas the stuff that I'm getting from someone like yourself, it's beautiful, all laid out. I can see everything color coded. Like this is the level of medicine we need to be at. And it's unfortunate that not everybody has direct access to it. Yeah, but a lot of this is you know, it's viewed, I think, with the, the traditional Skept- medicine. Yeah, is, still skepticism. Well, it's, it's traditional medicine is like you have a problem, you go fix it. Yeah, and a lot of this could be. This is, is more it, proactive. Yeah, yeah, which is which. You know, and you know, it's just the system. It can't be. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I shouldn't say skepticism anymore because everything's hard data. Like this isn't like you guessing at stuff anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's what I like about it because to me, an old like naturopathic medicine before was I've, I've always been through our mom exposed us to a lot of that stuff very very early on so I've always been a believer in it and I've always kind of understood it to a level but I'm like ah, you know like the people that just look in your eyes and be like oh I can see what's wrong with you take these three supplements not at that level so I really like that when you combine the medicine the hard facts with the, with the kind of more natural solution uh, that's what what interests me in it you know what i mean i, I like because i'm a you know I'm, I'm a numbers guy i like to see the hard facts and then understand things instead yeah. of just going by a feel you know and that's the same with us because we don't want to waste your time we don't want to waste our time like we don't want you to try this for a while try mm-hmm. that for a while how, how are you feeling now well so many factors can impact how you're feeling now yeah right you can, just look you can at lose your job and be feeling terrible meanwhile everything <laughs> yeah, is working right totally. so totally. there's so many factors totally. so yeah we run everything off of hard data and also the other thing is we get to know the person right so we know like what you're like i kind of know yeah, what you guys are doing you in your day yeah, and what yeah. your lifestyle is like because that impacts everything too and the other benefit we have is we have time to talk to you and sit down and figure out what's going on what's working what's not working um we have a lot of tools we can use but i think the point is finding out how someone is functioning on many levels and then tapping in and fixing that and objectively measuring those improvements and obviously i can ask you too you know, how are you feeling, what's going on? But then I also like to look at the data and say, you know, I can tell what's Yeah, and going you know, the on. weird part is when you're feeling really good, you know how that feels. Then when you go off kilter a little bit, you're like, huh, shit, something's not operating quite right. Like you begin to learn your body. That's right. And I didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't in tune with my body like 10 years ago like that. Yeah. Now I'm in, I am. I'm like, huh. I shouldn't have 40 liters of wine in 28 days. Something's a little off right now. But anyway, uh, thank you for doing it. We didn't even, there, I want to talk to you about adaptogens and some snacks and all that stuff. We're going to, we're, this is my excuse to bring you back again. Okay. But uh, <laughs> someone listening to this, they got to go on your Instagram account. So that's phenom underscore doc, P-H-E-N-O-M underscore doc for Instagram. And then the website just to get to your office and stuff. Is phenomhpm.com. So Phenom HPM, which stands for High Performance Medicine, right? right. PhenomHPM.com. Dr. Cowan, thank you for doing this. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Uh, Yeah, yeah, we'll do this again. Thank you. Awesome, man. 
Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradzer. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode. And if you do have any questions or follow-up stuff that you'd like to ask on the next episode that we have Dr. Cowan back on, you can email us at podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. For any real estate questions, always go to uh, rockstarinnercircle.com and you'll find a, a bunch of information out there. And stay tuned. The next episode we have coming up is also in this health uh, genre and it's uh, it's fitness stuff with uh, with one of the trainers I guess the the main trainer for myself at Radix Performance Center um, he is on the episode and we're gonna chat about some fitness stuff so stay tuned for that shortly until next time your life your terms <laughs>